You're listening to the Selling Energy Podcast, turbocharging the success of sales professionals around the world. Here's your host, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and award-winning sales trainer, Mark Jewell. Embracing the intangible. When you sell energy efficiency, you're selling a high-dollar intangible. Whether or not you can physically touch the chiller or the LED lights or the solar film or whatever, you're essentially selling an intangible because your customers aren't really buying metal chillers, LED circuit boards, or plastic films. They're buying the concept that their lives will be better in the wake of installing these technologies. If that perspective is true, and believe me it is, you have to ask yourself, how are other intangibles sold? Consider a vacation, for example. Is that a tangible or an intangible good? Can you touch a vacation? Can you feel it? How's a vacation sold? Do they give you the size of the room or the speed of the cruise ship? No. They give you all sorts of emotional images about how much better you're going to feel once you're on vacation. Let's get back to the energy world. Assuming you're selling solar panels to a homeowner, you can tell your prospect, if you install these solar panels on your home, you'll save $1,000 a year on your electric bills, and you can hope for the best. Or you could continue, think about it. That's like giving yourself an after-tax raise of $1,000 a year. How much would you pay today to guarantee yourself $1,000 in increased after-tax annual income plus inflation for the next 20 years, which happens to be the predicted useful life of these solar panels? In fact, you could kick it up a notch, as Chef Amal Lagasse is fond of saying of the Food Network. What is the before-tax value of that $1,000 raise? At a 35% marginal tax bracket, it's more like $1,500 a year, again, plus inflation. So now your question becomes, how much would you pay today for a $1,500 before-tax increase in your annual salary plus inflation for the next 20 years? Your prospect will undoubtedly get the point. The value of that increased income over the next 20 years is greater than the cost of the panels and a whole lot sexier than the thought of saving $80 per month on the electric bill. Forget talking about equipment specifications. Instead, ask questions that evoke an emotional response. Selling an intangible is all about reframing the sale in a way that allows your prospect to grab onto something that is tangible, something that they can visualize, something to which they can become emotionally attached. Selling beyond the obvious. Every efficiency-related product or service has a direct benefit for the consumer. However, true sales professionals will take the next step, transcending those direct benefits and highlighting the additional positive impacts. Take foam weather stripping, for example. The most obvious benefit of foam weather stripping is a warmer home, assuming it's installed in a cold climate. Are you going to close a sale every time by telling your prospect that your product will result in a warmer home? Probably not. I was recently asked to coach the sales team of a company that provides weather stripping and other energy measures to low-income homeowners on a direct install basis. To prepare for that engagement, I did a little research on the downstream advantages of energy efficiency for low-income housing. Applied to the example of weather stripping, here's what I found. When you put the weather stripping in, you prevent a cold living room. When you prevent a cold living room, the kids are no longer embarrassed to bring their friends over. If the kids aren't embarrassed to bring their friends over, they're not on the streets getting into trouble. Moreover, what comes in with the cold air? Moisture. What problems does the moisture cause? In many cases, mold. What happens once the mold arrives? It causes asthma. What problems does asthma cause? Sick kids. What happens when kids in that neighborhood get sick? Parents miss work to keep kids out of school. What happens when those parents miss too many days of work? They lose their jobs. What happens then? It goes all the way down. So are you selling foam rubber, or are you selling the prevention of any one of those impacts for not having had the right weather stripping in the house? 
You'll have a much more interesting conversation if you discuss the in-depth impacts rather than just selling on the idea that weather stripping keeps the prospect's house warmer. Customers have limited time. You need to connect the dots for them. I can assure you that most of the decision makers and even the influencers that you encounter will not have spent nearly as much time as you have understanding how energy efficiency intersects with what they value most. Your job is to know their segment well enough so that you can actually connect the dots for them. Tips for talking to a prospect. Over the course of my career as a sales professional, I've steadfastly adhered to certain best practices for speaking with my prospects and clients. The following are a couple I believe are relevant in every sales situation. Allow prospects to complete their sentences. After you're selling the same product or service for a while, you've heard most of the common objections. The tendency is to say to yourself, I know where they're going with this objection, and then you interrupt the mid-sentence, as if you get extra points for answering before the question is completed. You don't. You get points taken away for two reasons. First, the person doesn't feel listened to, which makes the prospect feel bad and damages your rapport with that person. Second, the objection may be slightly different from person to person. Your prospect may go in a different direction. The fact that the first half of the sentence sounds familiar doesn't mean you know where the rest of the sentence is going to take the discussion. So what should you do in this situation? I'd go so far as to say that when you hear an objection that you've heard time and time again, just pause, if only for a couple seconds. Do not immediately come up with the answer. Your prospect wants to feel as if they've been heard. Some are thrilled if they're able to stump the salesperson. They really want to know that they've hit you with a real zinger and that you've had to think about the answer. If you respond with an answer immediately, they'll feel defeated. It never hurts to wait a second or two before you answer. Next, reframe objections with positive language. If a prospect expresses that they don't have enough money to fund the project, for goodness sake, resist the urge to say, I know you don't have the money. <laughs> Instead, say something like, I understand that we'll have to be creative in making this affordable for you. Never give more energy to an objection by repeating it. Now, if a prospect asks about the payback period, rather than saying, it's three and a half years, but the savings to vest ratio is X, Put a positive spin on it by saying, it's three and a half years, and I think what you'll find to be more interesting is that the savings to vest ratio is X. Now their ears are going to perk up. What you'll find more interesting? You've created an opportunity to highlight the investment you're proposing in its most positive light. Note that I use and rather than but when connecting the payback with savings to investment ratio, which is where I'd like to see the discussion go. Coax and joke. In order to turn a skeptical prospect into a buyer, it often takes more than just a compelling proposal and persuasive financials. A sales professional needs to know how to push a prospect without being pushy. So how do you give that much needed nudge without sending your prospect over the cliff? Try a little humor. Laughter is one of the ways your body releases stress. I heard it explained many years ago that if the human mind encounters two planes of reasoning that inexplicably collide, the tension that results is often reconciled through laughter. The example given was a vaudeville act where a man dressed as a highly decorated general authoritatively struts out on stage and then proceeds to slip on a banana peel. The audience bursts into laughter because the notion of a person of such authority succumbing to such an obstacle trips a circuit breaker in the mind. I analogize coaxing a prospect to do something that they would not normally do to bending a branch. Every time you sense you're nearing the breaking point, you release the pressure. Repeating this regimen of applying pressure, releasing the pressure, and then applying pressure again allows you to bend a branch much farther than if you had simply applied ever-increasing pressure, an approach that would probably result in the branch breaking. 
Alternatively, in the absence of any bending force, you'd be still looking at a straight stick. So applying pressure and then releasing it with humor can be extremely effective when asking your prospect to leave her comfort zone. For example, asking that she fund expense-reducing capital projects with longer paybacks. Ask the prospect to bend too far too fast, and the conversation will end unproductively. If you fail to ask the prospect to bend at all, you'll lose the sale. You need the right mix of pressure and release to move a reluctant prospect toward a fruitful outcome. If you use this approach effectively, you will greatly increase the probability of convincing your prospect to do something he or she never would have considered previously. And as long as your efficiency solution is genuinely beneficial, that would be a win-win, and your prospect would likely thank you for it after becoming your customer. Watch yourself. From the minute you step through the door to meet with a prospect, you're being evaluated on your appearance and demeanor. No matter how valuable your product or service is, if your prospect detects something amiss, your odds of closing the sale plummet. So how do you make sure you're making the best possible impression? Videotape yourself. Professionals whose livelihoods depend on credible performances, television reporters, for example, know that practicing in front of a video camera is the best way to recognize and eliminate any unconscious behaviors that might be off-putting to their viewers. Sales professionals should do the same thing. I recommend videotaping and evaluating yourself from two different perspectives. First, watch yourself with the audio muted. You might notice distracting tics, strange or even blank facial expressions, and other nervous habits. Secondly, listen to the audio without watching the video. Perhaps you had an energetic and dynamic physical presence, but your speech is monotonic. Perhaps your choice of words is not ideal. Perhaps you speak too quickly, forget to breathe, use words like um or ah. Experiencing the audio and video tracks separately will give you the insight you need to hone your craft and become a more powerful presenter. The Simple Power of a Single Day Seth Godin once wrote a blog on the simple power of a single day, how taking just one small action each and every day could yield monumental change by the end of the year. This philosophy applies to any part of your life, and it certainly applies to improving your sales skills. So here are 10 small steps you can take to bring you closer to becoming an efficiency sales professional. Number one, get all of your to-do items out of your head. Number two, develop a profile for your ideal prospect. Number three, create a template for collecting information to go into your proposal or report. Number four, map the decision makers of your target customer. Number five, research and register for four networking events this month and resolve to arrive at each one early and stay late, because after all, the middle gets crowded. Number six, set up your LinkedIn profile or make it even more robust. Number seven, obtain a testimonial from a previous client. Number eight, send a handwritten thank you note. Number nine, create a vision board depicting your goals and dreams. Number 10, call a previous customer and ask why he or she bought from you. Doing any one of these actions just once may not change your life. However, committing to performing one or more of these simple actions each day will definitely put you on the pathway to becoming a true efficiency sales professional.